All right, welcome to episode four of Just Joking Podcast. I am King. And I'm Joe. And we made it to episode four, man. We did. It's four now. Every time we plan this thing out, I get a little bit more excited for each episode. Yeah. There's two things that I've been kind of working on lately, and I found this from a another channel on YouTube. It's this guy, Mediocre Tutorials and uh, Reviews. He uses this saying called progress over perfection, mm -hmm. and I've said that in one of our prior episodes, and that's yep. how I feel like this thing is, man. You know, this podcast that we have started out as an idea from conversations a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. We definitely talked about it for a while. And we've been putting it off yeah. and putting it off and uh, every excuse in the book, but we're here now. Yes, we are. Uh, how's your week been, brother? Uh, it's been it's been uh, tough for me. Mm -hmm. um, I was dealing with um, some anxiety issues uh, last few days. Mm -hmm. It's been it's been a bitch. Like just trying to make it through the day. Like it's see, like people ask how you're doing, and you're supposed to say, "I'm good, man. How about you?" Because yeah. you know, superficially, you know, they just they you feel like most people don't truly care don't don't really give a shit but with your friends you should say how you're really feeling i agree but it makes you like when it comes to things like this you always wonder if your friends are going to be like oh dude i didn't want to know that much <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. like bro it's like dude i just asked how you were doing you know what i mean so it's one of those things where i had done something for work maybe a, a few hours before i made this post on facebook uh -huh. and this person brought up this person who's much younger okay and truthfully much wiser than i am now at my age Ooh, that's a compliment which yeah yeah and he's doing this at a very young age but he's he's at his age focused on breaking this stigma because you know we talked about mental health in like our first episode yes and then we talked about it again in our second episode yeah um to know that the younger generation has that 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 foresight to to start talking about it now and the fact that i do it for work and i do it on this podcast but i realized it wasn't really actually talking that much about how i was feeling mm -hmm. i mean i do it with my wife behind closed doors because that's what we do uh, especially in my culture uh, everything's behind closed doors you don't talk a lot about how you feel and stuff like that but uh yeah so when you asked me how i was doing i was like wait a second i'm I wasn't doing well this week. I was actually struggling a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay now. I was really excited for this. And, like, I think this is, like, one of those bright spots in a kind of weird week. So, yeah, I'm doing good now, but it, it wasn't this good this week, I tell you. When did you know that you weren't doing good? Like, when, when could you verbalize that? Because that's yeah. something that I think people struggle with. So, um... Honestly, Sunday night, I started to get real stressed out thinking about work. Mm -hmm. um, just I've been having anxiety about work lately. Not like an anxiety attack, just anxiety like where you're a little anxious about work. Okay. So nothing like there's nothing, you know, diagnosable in that moment. That's a normal moment where we're like, fuck, it's Sunday, weekend's ending, got to go back to work on Monday. Yeah. But Monday um, – at one point, I realized that I wasn't able to really uh, focus because 
I was stressing out about things that haven't come to be yet or just just circumstances, mm-hmm. you know, just stressing out about things that are irrelevant to the moment. And, you know, I'm working from home, so I'm doing my thing. I'm trying to get stuff accomplished. And I just like like my my heart was just beating and like my thoughts were racing. And I really it took all of the willpower I had and some significant medication that I take, uh, not specifically for anxiety, mm-hmm. but it helps with the anxiety. OK, um, but with all of that combined, it was still really hard to stay productive throughout the day. I did ultimately. Uh, I stayed productive, but it was it was it was more than a chore to do so. Mm. Yeah, it was it was really hard. And throughout the day, I had to constantly like my wife had to constantly remind me, you know, it's okay. Day's going to be over soon, you know. And I mean, even when the day was over from work, it doesn't mean my anxiety went away. Really? Yeah. So like the anxiety wasn't wasn't because of work. Work was just another piece of the anxiety issue. Uh, the anxiety was about everything, like life, like, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen tomorrow? You know, who's going to call me for work? What are my kids doing in school? You know, like just everything all at once. Just it was just that kind of episode. Gotcha. And it, it lasted about two days. So it was two days of just wall to wall anxiety. And um I have methods to like distract myself when I go through like mania or depression or anxiety. Um, but it was tough. Like, it, like even those things were like, like, I mean, at one point I closed myself off in a dark room. I just had like, just like the most morose music just playing in the background, just, just in a dark place. What's that word mean? Morose. Yes. It's kind of like gloomy, kind of okay. dark, you know? I mean, like in context, I got yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, you understood sure I where was I was right. going. Yeah, y- yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I did what I could without letting it affect my kids too much because I got to make sure I don't look or make them feel like it's their fault or anything like that. I always have to constantly remind them that I'm not feeling well. It has nothing to do with them. Gotcha. Because, you know, I think we sometimes forget that our kids are just absorbing the energy we're given off. Mm. And it's really hard. Like I've said in previous episodes, you know, it's really hard for me sometimes to realize the impact I'm having on other people. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly have to fight to remember that and to remind and to let my children know that this is not a you problem. This is a me problem. Okay. And that while it's okay for you to feel some way about it, I don't want you to own those feelings. Like, I don't want them to think that it's because of their actions. Gotcha. Like, I appreciate what they're doing to try to make me feel better. It's adorable. (laughs) And I never shun them for that. Like, I never push them away and say, no, leave me alone. You know, as I tell them, I appreciate it. It's nothing you can do about it, but I do appreciate it. So long roundabout way of saying that my week, my week kind of sucked, but it's, it's getting better. That's good. That's. You know, that's good. There's a couple of things that I, I like to bring up as well. Uh, first, today, I was able to attend it, but not fully, 
Me and you are both part of a peer support group. Yes. And we've had to have virtual meetings because of COVID. Oh, I forgot all about it. It was today. I missed uh, it. An hour prior to this, uh, us recording a podcast. And I just jumped in yeah. just to see the folks, you know, that are there. It's a good yeah. group of guys and gals. And we just kind of have a check-in, man. Yeah. And I personally find value in those kind of things and just checking in on our public facing group i watched this video and i'm telling you i was happy to see it and i it i was compelled enough to share the video as well now if there's this youtube channel called i am athlete and it's for athletes that uh talk about various things now the crux of it crux of it, i guess that's the right phrase yeah that's good first um is athletes talking about things that kind of go on in their world stuff yeah. that i'm not a i, I wasn't a professional yeah athlete, we so. just we wouldn't get it yes we just, we're not privy to what they're talking about or their mind state yes you know what I mean? but they opened up in this one episode man and all four of the guys are are really good friends um they're pretty well known okay. and in the end of it all they all even asked each other they're like yo we talk almost every day but we don't have conversations no. like this. Yeah. We don't do check-ins, you know, to say, hey, man, how are you doing? Like, how are you really doing? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it was such, they opened up about so much, and it even got me to thinking. One of the guys has twins, a boy, girl, a boy and girl twin, you know, okay. set. Yeah, yeah. And he said that he found himself when the boy would, you know, be how kids are and get hurt or something. You'd be like, man, get up. Yeah. You know, but when this girl would have something happen, it would be different. He's like, hey, come here. You know, how are you feeling? You know, yeah. does it hurt? And yeah. he, you know, say stuff to kind of comfort him. And he said, he noticed himself doing that and was like, wait, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Yeah. He goes, but, you know, being in the locker room, like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's such a, you know, Guys are supposed to be like gladiators and yeah. and titans and, you know, macho. And, you know, we have the same stresses that everybody else has, yeah. but we're told not to really talk about it. Yeah, I think that's the, the dichotomy there is that you, you wonder if you can be both people at the same time. Because mm -hmm. we're never given examples of people who are like that. Yeah. So, like, you'll have a lot of dudes out there or, you know guys in general just who are like yeah i gotta be macho i gotta be this i gotta you know you know essentially we're all cavemen you know that's where we all started right we all unga bunga and, <laughs> ah, and, and smashing <laughs> smashing things and bringing food back for people we're, we're hunter gatherers yeah and i think the concept at some point of being vulnerable kind of went 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 out the window mm -hmm. you know and and I think it's because it's that word. It's vulnerable. Yes. You know, it's it's exposing a weakness, like a, a kink in the armor, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, n you're not supposed to have that. You're supposed to be like King Arthur or whatever with the shining golden plate and no holes in it, you know? <laughs> um, and I think we get caught up in that. Yeah. Like, because you get a bunch of dudes together and they're all just like, mm, yeah, mm, I'm tough, you know, mm, nothing uh -huh. ever takes me. But then I find myself with my girls, like, I'm a 
bowl of pudding with my girls. <laughs> you know, if they want me to do something silly, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I find myself being exceptionally silly with my girls because I don't ever want them to think that I want them to respect me. And they do. Yes. So when it when the situation demands it, I do what I have to do. But the rest of the time, I explain to them all the time, look, I want to laugh with you. I want to have fun with you. I don't want it to be serious all the time. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be mean when I have to be mean because you've done something that requires me to respond that way. I mean, it sounds crazy. Like, like how many people have those conversations with their kids? I'm raising my hand because I do. Oh, good, 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 good. But, I mean, I don't know how common that is. Like, I don't know if that's an everyday thing, if that's just how, how, how fathers are with their daughters or if uh, it's unique to our circumstance just because hmm. of what I deal with that I have to be more verbal because my actions sometimes speak differently than what I say. That inconsistency is hard for children because children need consistency. Absolutely. They, they need structure because yes. you're helping them develop what how they're going to perceive the world going forward. Mm -hmm. That's tough. Like That's a huge responsibility as adults. Um, that is what I struggle with being a divorced dad. Yeah. I actually think about that literally every single yeah. day because mm -hmm. I want it to have that of course everyday presence. Yeah. You know, and technology's helped. That's and, yeah, it's And I'm also stuff. fortunate in that my ex wife and I have a good relationship yeah, and that you she have doesn't an amicable restrict relationship. Yeah. You know, me Which is seeing good. my daughter. Like tomorrow for example my daughter asked in the group chat if I could take her to the bookstore because she liked going to uh, Barnes & Noble. Oh, I used to love that too. You, you know, and on one hand, great, cool. Yeah. I know her mom's not going to say no unless she already had something planned. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, gotcha. But then two, I am also kind of like it. I'm just gonna say, it frustrates me and pisses me off that I do have to check in sort of. Oh, of course. You know what I'm of saying? Course, yeah. Instead of just being like, that's an adult. She wants thing. to go to the store. Let me just, hey, I'm taking her out to yeah. the, you know, bookstore or whatnot. So I do struggle with that. Of course. You know, but yeah. but but that's but that speaks to how I value just the consistency, especially yeah, when they're, course. you know, growing up and learning. Um Well I think it's important. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you one thing right now, being that external um uh viewer to your scenario. Like, I think you guys have handled it exceptionally well. Um, I think your daughter's at an age where she's able to make a little bit more heads or tails of what's what's going on. Because mm -hmm. um, for me, it's always that worry that, you know, the kid's going to think it's their fault and stuff like that. Like, that's the trope of, you know, divorce is the children think it's their fault, which I'm so glad it doesn't look like that's the problem that you guys have. No. So I'm, I'm really gr grateful for you for that, you know, but I, I mean, nobody ever wants to have to check in, but if you think about it, I mean, I still kind of do that with my wife. I got to make sure some of the things I want to do with my kids are acceptable to do. You know, she keeps me in check in some ways, you know, like, <laughs> Like I've taken my oldest to the gun range, uh -huh. but that was a conversation we both had to have. Yes. You know, I, I mean, she probably would have been okay with me doing it anyways, because she knows who I am and she knows my life. And the fact that my oldest actually asked to go, she wanted to go. 
So I was like, yeah, okay, uh, let me make it on my terms where we go to a good range and we, you know, we make it nice and safe and she can learn some things about how to shoot and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, sometimes still I do have to check in and make sure it's okay, you know, because, you know, she might have plans too. You know, I'm happy that at least for my situation, it's better than others. And yeah. see, I'm aware yeah. of that. And, and I know that. And it keeps one less stressor off the board. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Because so. divorce, man, can be crippling for years. Woo, yeah. Yes. It can, it can absolutely be devastating. I mean, I've done it twice. <laughs> One time it was like, eh, not a big deal. But the second time it was tough. Yeah. I, I said to myself, I'd never marry again. But you um, did. Yeah. Well, did we you mean it at the time? Or oh, were I you just. Hurting? Oh, I absolutely meant it. Okay. I absolutely meant it. And. Uh, for the first couple years afterwards, like I just had fun, you know, um, I hung out with friends a lot. Like I found myself being a very social person, um, because I always needed company. Like, it's really hard for me to be alone even now, like surrounded by people. Sometimes I feel lonely and I think other people can really relate to that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I was younger, I used to do that a lot. I used to remember again, this was me pre-diagnosis and... Uh, or me in the early years of my diagnosis and, and getting care and I'm still drinking at the time really heavily. So it was hard. Like I needed company. Like I didn't want to do these things all alone. Mm -hmm. uh, I had no family around. So it was, it was friends. So like I spent a lot of time hanging out with friends um, and just having a really good time. And, you know, I dated here and there. It never, nothing ever really stuck. And there was just something about my wife. Like, you know, we've you've heard the story of everything that went on when, once we met each other and how it went. Um, but it was like, it was one of those moments like you see somebody and you're just, there's this connection. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it other than like there was something about her that I just wanted to get to know her. And... For the first year or so, we weren't going to get married. And then life started throwing wrenches at us. And so I was like, you know, oh, I can tell you the exact moment when I decided to marry her. Ooh, yeah, let's hear it. I was in the Army, and I was stationed in Germany, which is where I met her. And I was supposed to be there for another two years. And the retention NCO, the guy who gets you to sign back up or re-enlist, mm -hmm. He, he, he called me into his office or he came visit me at my office. I can't remember which. And he let me know that my uh, time was coming up in Germany. I was like, how's that possible? My enlistment takes me till the next for another year and a half, two years. And he's like, well, you have a kid back in the States and it there's a requirement that you can't stay longer than a certain amount of time overseas, which I don't know how true that is. But that's the game they were playing with me. Okay. And and maybe it's true. I don't know. Like, gotcha. I never bothered to look it up. I was one of those dumb soldiers who just, people told me what was what. And I just like, all right. I did my mission and I drove on. But I went home that day and I was stay, I was living with her at the time. I went, I went home. I walked in. And she had known that I had had this meeting with uh, this guy. And she's like, so what happened? 
I said, so this is what's, this is what's going on. I thought I was going to be here for another year, a year and a half, two years. Um, they're telling me I only have until like, it was like March or something or, or June of like the fall of the following year. I was like, which means I have to leave. I said, the, there's, I don't want to leave without you. So the only option we have is to get married. And she was just like, okay. But like, it wasn't like some romantic gesture. It wasn't like I got down on a knee and I had this ring. Um, but it's funny because she looks back at it as, as a romantic moment, <laughs> which is so funny how we perceive things. All right. And for her, she explained it that the reason why she thought it was romantic was because the option to leave her behind never occurred to me. Hmm. Like, yeah. I, I said, I said that, so we have to get married. And she was just like, she was just kind of floored by it. And it's so funny. Like, you know, it's the weird things. You know, we always think about those moments in movies where people are all like, you know, they have doves flowing around and they got violins playing and they get down on one knee in like Times Square, some nonsense. Yeah. Sometimes it's the little small things that are romantic and beautiful. Now, now I'm wiping tears, tears from my face, but these are tears, tears of laughter. laughter. Oh, of course. You, yeah, 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 you know. Uh, mm. <laughs> oh, I was laughing too hard. Oh. No, um, but yeah, so I was at that moment, too, where I was like, I'll never get married again. And then, you know, I found somebody who broke down that barrier. May, may, when I was vulnerable, she didn't take advantage of that. Bro, you know, Ooh, you said something right there because when you're going through something, right, that that trust for me, it takes a lot for me to be able to trust you and give you the side of me that's vulnerable. And I've done it. And twice you feel burned. I've been burned by it. Yeah. And. Through no, no fault of the other people, because yeah, I still respect the two times and the two people that it's happened. Yeah. Um, for me, I don't do it again. You, of course, you, you get one time. Of course, yeah. And when that yeah, bridge that's is burnt, per person. I'm done. But that's per person. Yes. You don't have an. You don't have a limited supply of trust. You can trust more than one person. Yeah. yeah. Like. The thing is, is you say this now, you feel this way now, and you can be absolutely 100% like matter of fact on it. I, I will never trust again. I don't, I don't know, know where you're going, but I'm curious. And one day, someone will come along that you biologically cannot stop yourself from wanting to be near. And we always think we found that. Huh. You know what I mean? We always think we've found it when we're with somebody we care about, we we think we love. And then there's something in the back of our mind that tells us no, and we shouldn't, or this might be a bad idea. And we don't listen because we have this love or this this irrational thing that tells us that's the person. But when you're truly with that person, with that biological imperative, to be with, like that feeling that that person really truly can be the op opposite of you, you know, the, 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 the yin to your yang, there is no doubt. And the only true way to test them, to, to know for sure 
is when you've opened yourself up and made yourself truly vulnerable. And that's the most frightening fucking thing on the world. And I've yep. been to war. Yep. yep. I agree. And I'm saying this right now. I don't know if that person is yeah. a real person for me. Oh, and I understand how that feels. Like, I understand where you're coming from. And I believe you when you say that. I believe in your conviction. I, 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 I will say, like, like, the rock of Gibraltar, water will wear you down over time. Someone will show up, show up and just knock your socks right off. And it may be subtle. It may be like insidious where it just happens over time. And it's not like, you know, you might just befriend someone, you know what I mean? And then just bam, out of nowhere. Holy shit, I think I love this person. I'll tell you what. What's up? My kid is somebody who, whenever I see her, the moment that I see her, whether it was, it's been a day, I always smile. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. I would like to say that I would like to... If, if someone, someone were, were yeah, to ever appear, I would want to feel that with that person. Yeah. That, that no matter how many days it's gone, when I see him for, you know, that, that first time in like that day or whatever, yeah. like I always smile. Now, my kid did do something through no fault of her own. And I struggle with if I should say something and I'm going to bring it up on the podcast. Okay. So last week, I asked her mom and her if. Uh, she wanted to keep me company to go grab something to eat. Um, they, they, it was this past Sunday or Saturday at this spot in Frederick called uh, Glory Days. Yeah, no. And uh, I put it in the group chat to you know see if her mom had any plans with her for dinner, and she didn't. And if Council wanted to go with me, and she said yes. Now I was hoping for that to be you know a time for us to. Chit chat, yeah. just kind of catch up, talk about whatever. But instead, she had her smartphone out and, you know, headphones on. And we didn't do a whole lot of talking. Talking, yeah. You know, she ate her food. I ate my food. I tried to have a conversation. And that was that. Now, I noticed it relatively early. And I struggle with, do I say something now and push it? Or do I let her... Maybe, maybe notice it, see it, or say something. Her being 13 now, yeah, yeah, of all things, to, you know, to, to, to understand and go, hey, you know, my dad did ask me, you know, to, to and I've never had a, we don't have a rule of no electronics at the table. We never did because we never really ate at a table. You know, it was always kind of on the go or whatnot. So that wasn't really a thing. But I made the choice afterwards to not say something then. Mm-hmm. But, but if, if it were to come up again, use that as like a teaching moment yeah. and see how she understands it and feels about it, man, later on. I think, um, see, and that's a tough one for me. I'm in a completely different scenario than you. Um, one thing I would caution is kids don't really get moderation. So she may not even think she's doing anything wrong. So at some point you're probably going to have to have that conversation because she's always going to have that cell phone now, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm actually in the complete, in a completely different uh, zone where we eat every day at, at the table as a family. Uh, we chat with each other and it sounds real, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. It's not like that. Like it's just a, we always just sat down and ate dinner together. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter how busy we were. 
I would like I only miss that if work requires me to. Um, like I make sure not to put plans around that or I mean, if we go out and do something, it's a completely different story. But if if we have the capability to do so, we sit down and we eat together. Now, my kids actually aren't allowed to have cell phones yet. Um, they're still fairly young. I don't think they need them. Um, now, now they're, they're close in age. When you get one, are you going to get the other one one as well? No. Ooh. Because I'm trying to teach my youngest that she is not equal to the one who is older. Um, that was a problem for me growing up where my sister was two years younger than me. Mm -hmm. So remember, this is early 90s or mid 90s, um, mid to late 90s. Yeah. Because uh, I turned 18 in 2000, so I'm aging myself. <laughs> um, but in the 90s, in a bad neighborhood, you don't let a girl, and I hate to say it this way because it doesn't sound great in 2021, but you don't let a girl who's 16 stay out after dark in a neighborhood like the one we grew up in. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't done. You shouldn't do it. Um, it was dangerous enough with me being out yeah, past, gotcha. past dark. Mm -hmm. Like, it's dangerous. It's, like I said, I've witnessed things I probably shouldn't have witnessed. But unfortunately, that's life in those, those neighborhoods. So her entire argument as a kid, and she's an adult now. We have a good relationship. I love her to death. Um, her argument was, well, he's allowed to. And instead of enforcing a standard for one over the other, not just because she's a girl, but because she's 16 and I was 18, there should have been a difference. Mm -hmm. And this had gone on for much longer than just the year I was 18 and she was 16. It went on for years prior too. Um, and the funny part was, the ironic part was, that I was very rule-following. Like, I, I, aside from the time I got caught you know, lifting in a car. Um, I didn't do drugs. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Um, and, you know, I would get yelled at and treated like I was. But the funny part was it was her. She was smoking and drinking and doing all that shit. And she was two years younger than me. Uh -huh. And so <laughs> this is the kind of thing, like, I think of as an adult. I'm like, I don't want my girls growing up thinking they're on the same level, which they are as far as my respect for them, my love for them, and their freedom up to a point. They are equal. But one is younger. She has different standards. And I need them to understand that because I need them to understand there's differences in the world, you know, with people, you know. Not a rights thing. A If you... Man, this is tough because we're going to get into some cancel culture shit. <laughs> and people are going to start being like, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. If you work at McDonald's, you're going to live a life that McDonald's can support. Yes. Right? Yes. If you work at corporate for some conglomerate, you're living a life that that can support. Yes. Those are the standards I'm referring to in life. Mm -hmm. So the person who works at McDonald's can't be pissed at the person who worked at the conglomerate if they've never tried to work beyond McDonald's. Yes. And that's not to shit on people who work at McDonald's. Not at all. You do what you got to do. Everybody's got their hustle. 
and I respect you nonetheless. But you can't live the life the other person lives, but you should also not covet their life. You should not be like, I mean, you, you can want more for life without saying, I want to live that person's life. Because fuck that person. You know what I mean? That's their life. Fuck them. They can do their thing. They can have a great life. Go forth, do great things. But if I'm working at McDonald's and I see them, I'm not saying to myself, I want to be them. I'm saying I need to do more. Yes. I need to get farther, you know, higher. But I need to do that on my terms. And that's, this, and that's where these small little things early on start. You know, it's, we learn that in the military. They teach you to shine your boots. Well, not you in the Air Force. Um, <laughs> yes. You guys didn't have, you guys had, do you guys have shoe shiners? It's like people come around and like polish your shoes for each other. They were there, <laughs> not in basic training, but we did uh, have them. Yeah. So, like, they teach you these little things that you're like, oh, why the fuck do we do this? This is so stupid. But as you get older, you realize, like, it's something that I've really translated into teaching my girls is attention to detail. Mm -hmm. It's those little details that matter. Because, like, if you can't focus on the little things, how are you going to take care of the big things? And that's really where I'm going with these little life lessons. And I think you're on the right path with, with your daughter. I just worry that, you know, like I said, moderation really isn't a thing for kids, especially nowadays. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, we sit at our table, too, and we we try, like my wife and I try not to have our phones. But sometimes we just we bust out the phone. So then our kids are sitting there and we're not talking to them. How does that make them feel? You know, so I don't want them to feel that way because I'm Ooh. trying to keep them from feeling from doing that to us too you know yes. what i mean yeah so if i can do if i am trying to do that for them i need to give them the same courtesy so it's a lesson in itself That's like a good i'm thought. learning it, something yes you know? yes and you bring up a good point with that as well because like i said i struggle with saying something to her in the moment because yeah. i had the thought of i want to see if she can read the room yeah. and get it herself you yeah. know uh, but, but it might have to be something that maybe I, I pointed out if yeah it happens again, you know, and, and and like I said, it's more to that specific instance in that hey, I could have gone and ate by myself, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it would have been cheaper, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and I could have focused on whatever thoughts or things that yeah. I just wanted to do, you know, but I wanted her company, of course, to be you know for for, for us to have a dialogue and just kind of talk. Now I didn't state that up front. Well, maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way. She was comfortable enough to be a, like, she loves you. You know, she's your daughter. She was comfortable enough to just relax around you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. maybe, maybe that was her subconscious way of saying she's happy to be there with you. Mm -hmm. But it could also just not be her scene. So she wanted to distract herself. I, I think, honestly, you should have the conversation instead of approaching it and I'm not trying to teach you how to tell you how to parent. Oh, no. See, this but is I'm why legitimate. we have this podcast. Yeah. Me and you are both parents, man. Yeah. And there's going to be people that listen that are going to have similar situations yeah. and thoughts. Yeah. So being able to just talk yeah. this kind of stuff out, man, is. Because I, I, I'm, I'm legitimately curious for you, for me, because you're a few years ahead of where my oldest is. Mm -hmm. So I would honestly approach it as a question. It's like, hey, so the other day we were at at dinner 
and you were on your phone listening to whatever you were listening to, and I kind of wanted to talk to, with you. I just I I wanted your company. Um, what what you know what was on your mind? Like what why were you on the phone? Did you not want to talk or were you you know what I mean? Like give maybe not give her those those examples because then you're leading her uh, down. Like just legitimately ask her how she felt, what she was thinking about or something. You know, I'm curious. Because, okay. I, 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 like I said, I'm keeping my kids away from cell phones for as long as I humanly can until the pressure becomes too much, you know, because they're going to be pressured. Um, so I want to know how to deal with those moments when those moments come, because ultimately they will. There's something that I'm going to say, and then we'll pivot to uh, a different segment on our podcast. But I'm the oldest of four, and me and my brother are just right at about two years apart nice. and I'd like to ask him how he felt because my parents did a good job of I'm the oldest. So I got, <clears throat> excuse me, certain liberties mm-hmm. that he didn't get. That's good. At least not until he, until was he was that age. age. Yes. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. And bro, <laughs> I know he felt like oh, he a type of way about way. it. And yeah. he, uh, he cut up. Yeah, of course. He was the one of the ones and <clears throat> excuse me. I just can't forget this because he was mad about something. Uh edged his no. Yeah, he edged his name into the back of our parents' car Ooh. with a rock. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Bold move. Now, the thing about it that kind of frustrated me was I felt like with that responsibility, if I I was a relatively good kid, meaning yeah. that I didn't get in like massive trouble or, or or anything like that growing up. But when I did get in trouble, the hammer came down on me. Of course, yeah. He would do stuff like etch his name into the back of a car, try to blame me for it, uh, and other things like walk across a glass table and the glass Ooh. shattered and break. Like luckily he didn't cut up his foot. Jesus. But I didn't. He didn't get in in trouble or beatings yeah. the same way that. Yeah, that's I what did. it felt like, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm right there with you, man. I do, and legitimately, I got beat harder than my siblings did. I mean, we can. It's like a Xerox machine where each copy gets lighter. Uh huh. Like my sister didn't get beat nearly as bad as I did. My two brothers definitely didn't as they got older, uh, or as my parents had more kids. Um, but yeah, man. Like I don't know what it is, but. I get where they're coming from, where seeing somebody have that freedom, and that's what you want. Of course you want to have that freedom. Mm -hmm. So I completely understand where they're coming from. But this is a concept that's a problem with my family, like a deep problem with my family. Um, Not my extended family, not my immediate family. Some of them, they see what you have and just like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. They don't know all the blood and sweat and tears and it doesn't really occur to them or they don't care yeah. or choose. I don't I don't know if it's a choice or if it's just naturally backwards. But they see what you have and like fuck you for having it. Like they want it. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand what it took to attain it or to maintain it. Yes. Cuz that's that's something I think people don't comprehend. They want to just, like, like, they see some shit. They may want to steal it. They may want it for themselves. They covet it in some way. But they don't realize what it takes to maintain that life. Because you're ultimately going to go right back to where you were before you attained it 
in whichever way you did because it took work to get there. Mm-hmm. And you can't just instantly have it and expect to keep it. Yep. But yeah, that's the problem with siblings too. Yeah. <laughs> it's got super deep for a second. It went off the rails on that one. It's all good, man. Let's let's pivot to some world news. And it. there's something that I even don't have on the docket that I like to talk about. But let's start here. Okay. What was your sex education like growing up in high school and post high school? Oh, jeez. I honestly can't recall. We definitely didn't have those cliche movie moments where they're like, they have bananas and some teachers teaching you how to put a condom on it. Or did I? I don't remember. But mm. I've seen it so many times where I think I did. Right. But I don't know. Like, I, I, I really don't remember high school well enough to know if that actually happened or not. How about your parents or relatives, uncles, aunts? Um. <laughs> No, nothing like that. Um, Older cousins. I think I was told to use a condom. And it was definitely drilled into my head. Don't get a girl pregnant. They didn't tell you how not to. You know, if somebody would have taught me about pullout game when I was younger, that would have been uh, (laughs) not productive. (laughs) No, but I mean, I just kind of. It was tough because I was this really awkward kid who was dating girls four years older than me. Ooh. Yeah. So like, like if I was a dad and I had a son and I heard that, and this is going to sound however it's going to sound. Yeah. I'd be like, bravo kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's very irresponsible because there are a lot more, there are a lot more, even four years as a teenager. Yes. Like I was 15 and I lost my virginity to a 19 year old. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I learned a lot of things, but, um, yeah, it's like, I was this weird, like I was definitely awkward, but not in a way that wasn't like, not in like, ah, man, I don't know how to explain it without insulting someone. I wasn't like this, like, I wasn't like, ah, like nerds are acceptable now. Back then I didn't look like a nerd. Okay. And I was able to talk a good game. So I didn't come across as a nerd, even gotcha. though I was definitely a nerd. But um, yeah, it was really weird. Maybe I was just a sweet talker. I am Hispanic after all, <laughs> and that shit's in my blood. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I just knew not to get a girl pregnant. And so like for the longest time, I only ever had sex with a condom. So somebody told me and the shit stuck, but I don't know if it was in school. I bring it up because from what I know, and we live in Maryland and in the Maryland public school education system, uh, I think that it's top notch, man, in my opinion. And my daughter's in public school and in eighth grade, they have sex education. Okay. Right now. I don't know what the high school curriculum is for it and kind of what they go over it can i've talked to my daughter about some of the stuff that they brought up and i was kind of like oh all right good cool now as her father i'm still gonna have continued conversations as she gets older yeah 
but in Ohio State, they have this thing called Six Week. Now, Ohio <laughs> State's a college, right? Okay. Um. So this is college age sex education. Yes. Oh god. Which is like continuing education. You know, let me just go back and say this. I can't speak for everybody, but 18 to like 23 or 24 for a dude, most dudes, I think you're horny as hell. It's a super awkward time too. Y- yes, because you're just not, like, people, like Eddie Murphy said, you're just happy to be getting some. Yes. You know what I mean? So you're not very good at it. Like you, you just put it, ah, done. You know, <laughs> like you're too young. You don't have enough experience. So if you go to the website, sexweekatosu.org. It reads off and it says, Welcome to Sex Week. We're glad you came. And that's hilarious ah, to me. That's great. That is phenomenal. That is some Dickensian uh, literature right there. Um, and it reads, <laughs> We missed a lot in high school, socially, biologically, and scientifically. That is why Ohio State is creating a judgment-free, inclusive, relatable space for our community to explore the sides of sexual health that they never really learned. This is why okay. Sex Week is here. See, I can respect that. I don't know if I would call it Sex Week. Because for me, when I saw that show up on social media, I was like, oh, Ohio State really bringing it strong, you know. <laughs> um, but I think, honestly, thinking about where we are in 2021, that's probably a good idea because there's probably still some kids who haven't had good talks or fully fleshed out uh, chats about the nuances of sex. Because, I mean, to tell somebody not to get somebody pregnant is one thing, but to tell them the hows, because, I mean as an adult, as an adult with kids now, I don't know how I'm going to have that conversation. I'll probably put it off on my wife because I have girls. It's tougher. It is. But who it best is. to explain it to a, to a woman than a woman? So, um, Lord knows I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> so but, they give yeah. a mission statement. They give the whys and they put okay. stats, like the one that I found interesting, and it's the top bullet. Because 15 to 24-year-olds account for half of all new STIs. And the source that they listed for that was the Center for Disease Control Control. and uh, Prevention. Which, so I was married for, you know, 12 years. And I didn't have to think about that. As a newly single dude, I'm going to tell you, I I went through a whole phase after I got divorced. And it wasn't something that I thought about as well. And... I had an incident that scared me, and I'm just going to bring it up. So I was donating plasma to bring in some additional income, and there's certain things that you can't have if you want to donate plasma. Of course, yeah. So I had an incident, and my small circle of people know about this, so this would be the first time that I'm talking about it publicly, but they send your plasma and your blood yeah. off for testing, and they came back and said... Um, you can't donate because of, you know, having X, Y, and Z. It is the first time that I had heard anything about it. Yeah. And at the time, I was having a situation with this female. Uh, we were having unprotected sex. Oof. And I brought it up with her to say, hey, I'm just going to make you aware that this is what I was told. 
I don't know. You know, it's the first time that I've heard about this. I had been tested yeah. prior because yeah. after I got divorced, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be out here, you got to be safe. Let yeah. me, you know, test, you know, <laughs> <Have> get tested. <laughs> you got your card. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so Look, hey, I'm going to put this in my, you know, keep this in my wallet. Just show, hey, hey just in case things go, you know, somewhere, <laughs> I'm good, right? Like you're showing your ID, except it's your clean card. <laughs> <laughs> um, So. I immediately went to my primary care provider and said, hey, I got this notification. I would like to verify what's going on. Yeah. So not only that, I went to my primary care provider and I went to the VA. I'm like two separate entities, course, but yeah. let me just be doubly, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, check. And all the tests came back negative. Good. Right. And here's the thing. I would, I'm asking myself, would I be talking about this if it came back positive? Ooh. I would like to think Ooh. that I would say yes, but I don't know. Thank goodness I don't have to worry about that. But um, so then, so then, <laughs> so then you never got the clap. Never. No. Okay. So no. you dodged the bullet. Nice. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Um, I did. I, I did have an instance at eighteen where a buddy of mine and me had slept with the same person. Ooh. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you dodge that bullet, though? I don't know, man. Oh. I don't know. He did like a month after me. Oh, okay. So there's time. He in got between. it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, um, it 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 awoken me, awoken, awakened me, whatever, um, to the idea that all right, I was safe with her. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and 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 I every time I would have a new sexual partner i would go get tested so i had multiple tests okay um but i mean it's smart yes but if you're in the dating scene but when that happened you know it made me go wow like what if i had got it from from her yeah you know but i told her about my situation so that she was aware and we had stopped everything until it came back now the great part about that was when my when i told her she didn't flip out she didn't you know, jump off the rails or anything. And she said, I'm going to go get tested, you know, just to be safe. And both of our tests came back at the same time. It both came back negative and we had sex that night. Um, so, <laughs> you know, but she wasn't, she didn't fly off the handles. She That's didn't, good. you know what I'm saying? Jump to any conclusions. And she said, all right, well, we'll wait until your tests come back. Um, I'll do the same thing. And then we'll just go from there. Smart. Yeah. So it's responsible. And I reasonable. respected her yeah. for how she handled it because I have heard of situations where, you know, either side, you know, you know, obviously if you catch something and you're hurt by it and it affects you, yeah, you might feel some type of way. Yeah. And that's a, uh, honestly, I probably would say that's understandable. Yes. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I can only imagine, but yeah. Um, so yeah, man, you know, you have these STIs and things out there and, um, that, so that's what, that's their, that's, OSU's first bullet point. I brought this up because I think that continued discussions yeah. on that type of stuff is important. And I mean, when you're that age, bro, I could, I, I was married. Thank goodness because I don't know if I would have been reckless during that time. Being being a flight suit, you know, I was a handsome young man, you know, uh, uh, uh played football so I was relatively athletic looking but whoo man true yeah. reckless yeah. <laughs> yeah I was that age once I joined when I was 18 I had that goddamn V 
going, you know what I mean? That that Brad Pitt Fight Club fucking physique. Uh-huh. I had that one time a long time ago. Yeah. Um. Well, hey, man, we are into this, and I did have a couple of other segments, but I'm trying to keep the podcast under an hour. Yeah. So one of the segments or things that we like to bring up is Joe introduces a word to me. Yes. You have a word this week, right? Yes, I have a word for you this week. Okay. Um, this one is one of my favorites because I do it, uh, I I use it a lot when I talk about social media and people and what they do on social media. Okay. I'm going to throw it at you and then we'll get into it. All right. All right. This one is dissonance. Dissonance. Mm-hmm. See, I've heard this word before too. Yes. Because it applies to a lot of things. So dissonance is like when you have an idea about two different things, but they don't connect. Ooh, very good. Uh, very good. Okay. Very good. Um, it's an inconsistency, right? Okay. Between the beliefs one holds and one's actions. All right. Or, or one's actions and one's beliefs. They, there's a disconnect. Got you. And I bring that up because of my favorite term, okay, cognitive dissonance. Yes, that's where I've heard the word. That's before. where you've heard it before. The psychological conflict resulting from incongruous beliefs and attitudes held simultaneously. Okay. And this is something I. This is why I don't let my kids have social media yet, because. How you act in real life and how you behave on social media can sometimes be different, can mm-hmm. it not? Oh, yeah. One, yep. Like, you don't get on social media and post all your dirty laundry, right? No, so, or, or really the bad times. Exactly, exactly. So what's happening there, what's happening is you're developing or you could develop psychological effects because of cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Your actions and your beliefs are conflicting. And this is something I tell anybody who wants to talk deep about social media and the internet in general, or even what you see in the news. You, the use of it in excess or even without critical thinking. Yes. Like sometimes people just look at it, just bam, take it, read it. Okay, I've formed an opinion, I'm moving on. The problem is, is this is why I think we're seeing a rise in mental health issues. Mm. I'm not a fucking scientist. I'm nobody special. But honestly, I've been dealing and working with social media for a long time. And the things that I've seen, the reason why people are cutting family members out of their life completely because they say something online or they do something online. I legitimately think a lot of the hateful shit you see online, the people would not be saying And I don't mean because they're scared. I mean, if they were having a conversation in real life with somebody, it would be, it wouldn't devolve so quickly. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't go into this name calling, wanting to fight each other, kicking people out of your life because of what they're saying. I think, and I don't think people would be so angry or so anxious or so depressed with the world. Because they're just being bombarded with this. You know what I mean? I think that's why cyberbullying is such a big problem. Mm -hmm. I don't think kids would behave to that extent person to person. Yeah, sure. There's going to be assholes out there. There's that. That's a part of life. 
but I think ultimately it wouldn't be to the level that it is if it wasn't so easily available and so uh, anonymous. I mean, even though Facebook and, and some of these profiles have your actual name, there's still that safety of being a million miles away from somebody else. You might as well be, you know what I mean? Because they can be on the other side of the continent or the planet. Um, but yeah, cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Yes. All right. So the challenge that I have is to really learn the word dissonance and yeah. understand it. And when we have our next podcast episode, figure out a way to bring it up to and throw that in there. And oh, trust me, I'm sure it'll come so up. So I use the word disingenuous with nice. Castle. Nice. And uh, talked about it with her just to try to help her with her vocabulary as nice. well. So, episode four, man. Nice. Yeah. We got there. Yeah, you did, did not say your phrase. You sure? You, no, no, no. You didn't say it a lot. Okay. Okay. Because <laughs> I definitely said it. I'm pretty sure I said it. And I've been trying to be better about filler words and ums. Okay. For personal reasons. One, I want to get to the point where there's no editing. We get yeah. done, I click upload. Bam. This episode, I'm going to go back and listen to it. Yeah, but we may not have to do a lot of editing, man. That's good. And that makes me happy yeah. because I want to get faster about putting this out there, too. Yeah. Typically, we will record on a Wednesday. I get around to doing it sometime to where it gets published the following week. Yeah. Tonight, my goal is to get this out tomorrow. Nice. So nice. I look forward to it. I never know how to end these things, as usual. So besides the fact that I think that... I do have a message to people. Do better about checking in with your people, not just family, yeah. but, but your friends as well. I have a group chat with some people who you know. Of course. And we have this thing called the homie check-in, where nice. once a quarter, we get together and bullshit, but it's not just bullshit. We have a check-in where we talk to each other about what's going on and our lives and we've been surprised at what we've heard from each other but it's a good space for us to be able to just do that and know that you know we got each other's backs yeah. even though we're miles apart and some of us have moved on and you know have uh hit milestones and things like that that we're like oh i didn't know about that man congrats why didn't you talk about that in the chat you yeah know? yeah exactly um and I'm happy for that. Like, I'm That's thankful good. for that. That's you know, good. me and you have this podcast, but we we also uh, have game nights up, mm -hmm. you know, yep. our friend's house. And sometimes we just we have those kind of check ins like that. But in the wake of another friend of ours who had COVID earlier in this year, yeah. it made me value kind of having that check more. And it shouldn't take negative things to happen to have those kind of check ins. Yeah. We should get so, into the that's habit my message. Of, yeah, we should get into the habit of doing these things because we care about each other. Not that we don't if we don't do these things. We just, life gets in the way. We get busy. Shit comes up. But if we made this a habit like we do other things habitually, then it's going to be, it's going to come natural. It's just going to be a thing that we do. So, you know, do that. And remember, we're, we're all in this together. Everybody is dealing with something. So just try to be kind to each other. 
All right. In the next episode, I'm going to share with you some different therapies that I've had that I felt like really worked out. And I want to talk about it on air publicly. Sounds good. All right, man. This is been this has been episode four of Just Joking Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.